Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Pels fans, let's talk home security. There's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that's going to cost you a small fortune. Or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. I put it together myself in under 30 minutes, you guys, and that's saying something because I am not a handyman. Now, it's a two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award, so you know it's good. It blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, outdoor cameras, doorbells alert to anyone approaching your home, entry, motion, glass break sensors, garden side. You get to choose whatever it is you want, and you put it together yourself. Now, go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Now you've got nothing to lose. Just go now and be sure to use simplysafe.com/team. That's simplysafe.com/team. And of course, team is our promo code, so make sure you do it because you want to get those savings. You are listening to the Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the Bird Calls and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls Podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. Today I'm joined by editor-in-chief to the Bird Rights, the man whose name only 5% of America can spell without checking, Mr. Ali Cosell. What's up, man? Not even 5%, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing, Preston. It's just another day at home with the dogs, you know, just quarantining living the dream and it's April now, you know, so we just barely made it through not even really a month, but we changed the calendar to April and now they're saying what, God, we're, we're not going to be out of this starting seeing downtrends for at least maybe 30 to 60 days. So anyways, I don't want to depress the audience. We're happy to be here. We, we're going to keep potting no matter what happens. And we're just talking off the air that even if, if, if we have to start worrying about, you know, survival getting a little tougher in terms of scrounging for food. And I'm not going to go into the gory details that Grub was just talking about, but we will maintain a podcast of those of us that, that are still standing. From underneath our bridge in our homeless attire. Uh, next up, our Prince of the Portocol, which is currently closed right now, but proud dad to Iverson and Babs. Uh, and please, when life does return to normal, if Kevin gives you any kind of service, give him a tip, but just the tip. Mr. Kevin Barrios, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing. I've been getting just the tip my whole life. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, I'm doing okay. I've like been uh, having like a cough and congestion, but luckily I think it's just allergies and change of season because I don't have fever or anything. So, and I'm gl- kind of glad that we closed down, so I don't have to worry about all that, uh, dealing with all that for now, and just have be kind of be retired for at least a month. We'll see what happens, you know. Yeah, I don't trust you, Louisianians. Uh, according to the media, all of y'all have coronavirus, so uh, stay far away, you guys. Uh, finally, we have the host of Hard in the Paint on 1280 AM from the convenience of his own laptop nowadays. Uh, proud parent and pup dad, Mr. David Grubb. What's up, man? Oh, just you you guys, man, I, we do these and we can talk for like an hour, hour and a half. There are days now that I do... My show five days a week, which is two hours of talking. And then on Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm co-hosting a show in Houston for a friend. And that's two more hours. And four hours of sports content when there is very little sports content. Whew. It's, uh, man, it, I, I'm having fun. I'm glad to be back on the air. The audience has been great. But this is the hardest thing to do on in journalism that i've had to do on on this side of it to, to every day fill up two hours 
Yeah, uncharted territory is not selling it short, uh, just in terms of uh, what you guys are being asked to do on a day-to-day basis, constantly creating content out of literal thin air. But hopefully that Michael Jordan uh, documentary will help us out coming out in a couple of weeks. Let's start the show with a little bit of fun before we get into basketball, if y'all don't mind. Uh, just some quarantine stories, uh, anything funny that's that's happened in the in the two weeks you guys have been shut down. I will start with myself uh, because I'm, I'm a new dad, as you guys know by now, uh, 50 day old girl and i'm gonna tell you guys three things that made my wife scream at me um hold on let me let me okay so number one leaving the hospital uh the straps in the baby carrier had not been loosened <laughs> so that was number one uh number two i picked up the baby and i didn't know that it wasn't a good time to pick up the baby uh, that one, she got into the car and she drove around for 30 minutes. Ah, let's. Oh, number three, <laughs> she has already tried to give away two of our three pets. So that's where we're <laughs> So it's been really fun. Uh, let's, oh. let's go to Ollie. Do you have any fun stories for us, man? I've been trying to keep myself busy and entertained by taking the dogs around to parts of New Orleans that I've never walked before. So I'll hop in the car, you know, around seven, right before the sun completely goes down, go walk them around and... What's the most interesting thing to me is how many cats and feral cats are out now because there's so few people out, right? So I see them chasing around. They've even chased me and the dogs several times, these big ones. So anyways, I'm afraid that they've got something. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Tulane, don't go to Tulane, guys. I'll tell you that right now. I was walking around there a couple days ago. Two months. My dog thinks he can tackle anything. Well, these cats are as big as almost he is. So anyways. I'm worried about getting rabies more than the coronavirus at the moment. Ollie's been going to visit uh, Joe Exotic or something. (laughs) I'm just imagining him running down the street being chased by feral cats. uh, All right, Kevin, you go next, man. You got anything? Um, I mean, nothing much. I mean, I've just been trying to work on stuff. I've got a few design projects going on. I just finished up a a record for a, a band. That'll be out soon, I guess. And then working on a compilation album for another for a record label in Buffalo. And I've been writing a bunch of um, short stories. Um, they're they're all basically rooted in reality in terms of like there's a, an actual event in there that's true. Some of them are very close to the act, you know, exactly as it unfolded. The rest are kind of like played with to make them more interesting or more exciting. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet. Um, this guy, the guy that owns the label in Buffalo is talking about maybe getting some printed, uh, some books printed and getting them out at some point, but I still have a lot of writing to do. So that's what I've been focusing on and just catching up on TV and cooking a lot. My, uh, my, uh, cast iron skillet is getting very seasoned lately because I've been cooking pretty much every night using it. So, uh, that's how I've been keeping busy and reading a little bit and trying to ride my bike to keep uh, you know, some exercise going. And then of course my dogs are just loving me always being here. Um, so that's been nice too. Nice. All right, Grub, last but not least. Um, you know, I, right now I get to be homeschool teacher um, <laughs> for my daughter who's 11. Um, I also, uh, we, we, we have gotten, but you've got a great a student. Tell the, t- Grub, tell the audience you've got a great student, right? Natalia's awesome. Yeah, she's 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 a whip, and uh, you know she's she's uh you know gifted and talented, all those things. So we're very proud of her. It's just tough because she was uh, cast in two plays, one for um or uh, a private company and one at school, and so both of those now have been canceled. So those are big parts that she's gonna miss. So we've been trying to do more things, you know, together as a family, play more games, you know, uh, cook together um, and just, you know, maximize this time. Because we, you know, when you have a family, typically, and even if you just have a significant, you spend most of your day away from them, you know, just the vast majority, two thirds for most of us, maybe even more. And when I, you know, especially during season when I'm doing games, I may not see my daughter except when I wake up in the morning that day. So it's, it, you know we're trying to take advantage as best we can to kind of get to know each other a little bit better again. And, uh, you know, and, and that's been cool, you know, and, awesome. and it has forced me to kind of just, you know, it's, it's given me the opportunity to call friends that I have not spoken to. Um, and also try to, it's also given me a good time to plan, you know, for the future, because it's going to be a different world when we come back. However, we come back, 
and to survive in this media, you know, in this media world, you know, I've got to have, a, I've got to be ready. I've got to be ready to go. So having that time to plan and not really be in the middle of a season for a moment and not be having to do the shows intensely. Um, it's, it's given me a lot of, you know, just opportunity to, to think about what's next too. Nice. All right, let's dive into some basketball talk. Thanks for sharing those stories, you guys. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing the future of Drew, Drew Holiday and what could become the most critical decision of David Griffin's tenure here in New Orleans. Uh, there aren't many players in the NBA who can put up whatever he's putting up, 19-7-5, and five, I think it is, uh, this season. A uh, matter of fact, there are just five. Uh, I've got an article coming out tomorrow that you guys can check out for more in-depth uh, detail. But there are only four guards selected to the all-defensive team each year. Holiday has done that in consecutive seasons. But he is 29. He's a full decade older than Zion. Uh, so today we're going to discuss his age, his skill set, and his potential extension. Uh, first, let's go ahead and start with the positives. Ali, let's discuss what Drew Holiday does that fits within the structure of what this team needs right now. Oh, God. Get out your scribble pad because there's at least 10 things I can give you off the top of my head. Number one, of course, and that's what Alvin always remarks, is the veteran leadership. He's not the vocal guy, but he's a guy you can count on to basically do anything and everything that you need to win games on any part of the uh, floor, get you a basket, stop the best player on the opposing team, uh, read plays, um, make plays, you know, just anything. And you kind of need those type of guys, even if you're a growing young team and you have playoff aspirations. So... I, I just think that Drew honestly is a good fit. And I, that's why I kind of, when I read your article and guys, it's 3000 words. So Preston put his time and effort into it. So make sure you read it, but it's good because he hits all the points and trying to understand why, Hey, let's not so be so fast to move away from a guy that truly looks like he could help. And then at the end of the day, you've got to remember, we've seen how this five man unit, it's only been like 19 games or probably even a little bit less. Cause when Zion has played, not everybody I think has been there for every game. But in general, this starting lineup has been gangbusters. And outside of just a couple bad showings against the elite in the NBA, they've more than held their own. They've usually dominated. And, that, of course, at the center of all that, one of the players is Drew Holiday. Yeah, perfect. We're going to stay uh, in the realm of positives, uh, Kevin. Right now, uh, a, l a lot of the concerns that people might point to is uh, there's only one basketball, and you've got guys who need it in Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion, in addition to Drew Holiday. And he's not that stereotypical 3-and-D uh, type score. He's more a playmaker off the dribble isolation type score. Talk about why the Pelicans can benefit from having four creators on the floor at once. Well, um, one thing about that is, like, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Lewis Thoreau. He's uh, Mike Paul Thoreau's son. He works for the BBC, does like these great um, documentary series, stuff like that. But he did this one thing where he, like he does this thing where he investigates like subcultures or like things like that, but he sort of immerses, him, immerses himself in there. And so he went to try to be like a struggling actor in um, New York. And he went to this workshop, acting workshop, and they were doing this exercise where they're supposed to, uh, brag about themselves and he was bragging about his amazing humility and I think that's kind of like Drew Holiday in a sense is that like if there's ever a guy that was willing to defer to other players it's a guy like Drew Holiday sometimes too much to a fault in the sense that like sometimes you want him to take over a game and he just doesn't do it he has the ability to do it um, but he's definitely not a guy who demands that he gets his touches offensively um, so that works well when you have guys like Ingram and Zion and J.J. Redick um, and even Lonzo Ball, who you want the ball in their hands a lot, too. And then just also just having guys that can create for you and for others and for themselves, because Drew can create for himself, get into the basket. You know, he, he has a great dribble drive, get into the basket. Um, he has a lot of like crossover step back moves and stuff like that. Um, so. He has all of those things. Sometimes there's a mentality issue with him, I think, but uh, but he has all the skills there and and the right personality to defer to guys like Brandon Ingram when they're hot and guys that are going to want their touches. He's okay with taking that backseat. And that's why I think you hear a lot of talk about him going to uh, Brooklyn if he does get traded because he can be that guy between uh, Kyrie and KD to fill that role without causing any uh, ripples in the stream. Um, so that's that's a skill in itself um, to, to have that amount of talent, but be willing to work within a team and uh, make others around you better. So he definitely has that. 
Now, Grub, feel free to expand on the offensive side of things, but I'd also love for you to touch on the defensive side of things. Obviously, we've we've tossed around names like OG Ananobi, Karis LeVert, guys who are capable defenders. But in terms of not only what Drew Holiday is as an individual defender, but also his ability to take on another team's best opposing score, even if he can't necessarily slow down LeBron or Kevin, just saving somebody like Brandon Ingram and Zion from that repeated pounding, what can that do for a team? Well, first, you know, he did slow down LeBron. And that's what people don't look at is that LeBron, that, that night when everyone said that they should have been doubling LeBron more, he shot worse against Drew Holiday than he did any other Pelicans defender. So, I mean, I think, you know, that, that versatility is so important on a team that is still learning how to play defense. You have three legitimate defenders on this entire roster. Well, four. I'll say four legitimate defenders on this entire roster. And they are Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, and Josh Hart. Everyone else is either an okay or subpar defender at this point in their career. You, so for a team that goes through the stretches that it goes through offensively at times when it's throwing the ball around or when it's missing its three-point shots, to have people who can get you stops, to have people who can you know, be able to switch defensively, recover for guys who may not be perfect at their assignments yet and to have someone who can both defend without talking and being in those isolated positions and can communicate particularly when the weakness of your your defense is in the front court because he and Lonzo Ball are so very good on the ball you just really have Derek Favors up front that ability to stop the opposing guards the ability to cut off penetration is so important to this team and for it to have any chance, if the season resumes or if, we, if Drew's here next year, for the, right now there are no better options defensively uh, than him because, like I said, he, he, like you said, he can guard one through four, and he rebounds the, the the defensive glass well. And on top of that, he is a consistent shot blocker at the guard position. He's been top five in shot block shots for guards for the past few years, and then. He gets steals. So he does all those things that can get the ball back for his team when um, he also, on the offensive end, can occasionally make a mistake himself. All right. Now, before we shift to the next topic of conversation is age, I, I just want to harp on some negatives, some some fit issues that that might uh, present a roadblock down the road. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing everybody's going to start with three-point shooting um, where he is a career uh, below um, – league average uh, shooter. Uh, he he does take them with frequency and he is kind of spotty in that he'll have hot stretches uh, specifically when he came back in January from being absent for seven games. Uh, he did shoot over 40%. I think it was the first five or six games. I'll have to look that up. But Ali, what other weaknesses present themselves when you think about Drew Holiday and paying him, let's say, another $100 million? Well, the biggest thing that stands out for me is the inconsistency. You know, We've seen his career, um, the vast majority of it here in New Orleans, and he has not always been playing up to his capabilities night in, night out. And a lot of it, you, you, you can't know, we don't know for sure, but a lot of it seems to be with, deals with confidence. And so he does all of a sudden have a turnover too. And all of a sudden, that's why David famously always turns to me, you know, fourth quarter drew, or there's always a certain stretch of a lot of games where, you know, if he's having a great first half, you can almost, Pencil then that he's going to have some kind of hiccup in the second half. And then when you translate that to over an 82 game schedule, you know, just like at the start of this year, I mean, he was missing in action seemingly for at least the first 10 games or so where the team really needed him to step up, you know, no Zion to start the year. Derek favors wasn't himself. And of course, BI and Lonzo were fresh to the scene. The Pelicans had a lot of opportunities to win games. And so you kind of need that face of the franchise, even though we all know at heart that Drew isn't really that guy, but he was labeled as one. And anyways, he should have been able to perform a little bit better, maybe eke out a win or two, but it just didn't happen. So that's my biggest thing. He just, for whatever reason, goes through these stretches where you're like, oh, here we go again, because we've seen it so often. But then, of course, he'll have these breakout games that you're like, wow, if he could only do this more consistently. Like, for instance, the playoffs two years ago, like that game he came back against, um, was it the Clippers, when he was off for seven, eight games because of that elbow bruise. And he's had other, you know, explosions as well. And you're just scratch, left scratching your head. Why can't this guy play at that kind of level a little more often, not have the lulls that he does? 
Yeah, we'll continue on to Kevin. Uh, obviously, free throw shooting in, in big spots is is what David and Ali are referencing as fourth quarter. Drew, what's your assessment of Drew Holiday uh, in fourth quarters, Kevin? Do you feel like you can count on him on the offensive end? No, I never do. Um, you know, he he has a pattern of dribbling off of his feet and just you know tur- silly turnovers, bad passes, lazy passes. Uh, I don't know if it becomes fatigue or if it's just pressure. Um, you know, Ali sort of stole the thunder. If you were going to go to me with the same question, I was going to say his biggest problem is that inconsistency. Like, you know, you, you can, the safest bet in the history of the world is if Drew Holiday scores 20 points in the first half, you can bet that he's going to score under 10 in the second half because it just, I don't know what happens with him, but he just can just vanish. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, the, the key issue with them, you know, what, and, and of course, free throw shooting is definitely probably a mental uh, issue with him because, you know, you can see he can knock shots from all over the mid range. Um, he's, he's not super consistent from three, obviously, uh, but, you know, free throw shooting has always been a problem for him. He's getting worse and worse at it. Um, you know, you can basically count on him missing the technical free throw every time. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't, I, it's gotta be a mental thing with him. Um, maybe too much pressure on himself uh, or just fatigue from, uh, you know, having the number one defensive assignment assignment all game and covering for other people um, also could have him sort of out of sorts. You know, when you're super tired, you can't focus as well um, or you're just, you know, your muscles are just sore and you're just not being able to to respond the way you normally could respond. So, yeah, I mean, that that's really what it is. I think it's just a, a lack of focus and a, and a lot of pressure um at that point and a lot of that might be from fatigue or just from uh anxiety possibly you know yeah i haven't quite looked this up grub but uh one other shortcomings of drew's game for a guy who scores 20 points a game uh only gets to the free throw line three times a game i i'd imagine that's one of the lowest among people who score with that much frequency just he's never seemed to be able to draw contact even though he's one of the leading isolation scorers in the nba he gets to the cup with regularity but he can never seemingly get that contact and get those easy points what are other parts of drew's game that really stick out to you as far as something that is a detriment, yeah, I'd, I'd say his overall vision on the offensive end. You know, he has nights where he's had, you know, double-digit assists and he produces those. But if you'll, a lot of times what you notice is his vision, either he'll get himself caught under the basket at times. There are times when he doesn't see people who are cutting. There are times when he focuses too much on one guy. Like, you'll see a ton of his assists go to one player over and over again. He, like there was a game, I think all of his assists went to JJ. It's just there. It's it's it seems like his field of vision and his timing when he do, is doing something other than intending to score himself. It's it fluctuates so much, and that's why he gets these turnovers where the ball is just leaves his hand casually in a pass, or he gets himself into a position where he has he'll be in the air and it's like just shoot it, and he'll pass off to just no one in particular. It's just that vision, that lack of awareness at times, it just makes him just an awful fit as a primary ball handler. And I think that's the thing that you kept wanting to see is him deciding, okay, I'm the guy who's supposed to score. I'm supposed to go downhill and attack the rim. That's that's my purpose here in this offense because no one else on the perimeter other than Brandon, who does it in a much different way, is going to do that in this offense. So I don't get it when Drew is just hesitant and gets himself caught in these gray areas uh, or no man's land with the basketball. And that just bothers me more than anything with him offensively. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely leaves his feet to pass like at least four times a game. And that's just like unbelievable. You know, what's going to happen. You sit there and you just, I mean, that's the first thing you're taught. Like, I mean, I barely played basketball growing up. Like I was a skateboarder, but when I did, you know, like I was like nine years old playing basketball. And they're like, don't jump to pass. You know, that's like the first thing you get taught. And it's just infuriating when you see him do it at least four or five times a game. Yeah, I'll, I'll cite uh, two specific remembrances of Drew Holiday's game from, I think it was 2016-17 when they were deep in the hunt for uh, that last playoff spot after having acquired Boogie. And they played the Nuggets three times. And the first time they played the Nuggets, uh, while they were still in the thick of the fight, I remember he had two costly turnovers in the last minute. And one, like uh, Kevin referenced, 
dribbled off his foot. Another one, he just lost the ball and it went backcourt for a backcourt violation against the Lakers earlier this year. Uh, he missed a dunk. Uh, I think it was with his left hand. And yes. uh, then he had that crazy inbounds pass where he just threw it right to Anthony Davis, who dunked it right over her head. Um, so just that sort of stuff is what we're referencing. And if you as the listener are thinking, well, why don't they just you know go away from him in the final five minutes? It's difficult to sell your team uh, to its leader, who you know is one of the higher usage players on the uh, for the team. Well, you're just not going to get the ball in the last five minutes. You can't really operate that way. Um, let's go ahead and transition. Yeah, and to and impression, real quick, I also want to mention everybody probably remembers because the game wasn't that long ago. The win against Indiana Pacers in Indiana when there was no Ingram, no Zion, and Drew was spectacular over the last five minutes. Right? Everybody remember he scored like at least 14 mm-hmm. points or so. He basically just put the team on the back. So. He has those capabilities. That's why I mentioned inconsistency. That's well, why it's so in frustrating. That, in that situation, though, it's one of those things where, like, you know, he has limited options. If you, you take away his options, then he has, like, the decision is made for, like, I have to do this. Whereas if he has Ingram and Zion and J.J. Redick or whoever, now he's thinking more about, do I get my own or do I set this guy up? What's happening? That You know, mm-hmm. and that's where he gets flustered that, you know, it, it it's e- like you know it's easier to make decisions when you don't have many options it's almost like if i wish drew would become more of a jamalford lou williams type but he doesn't have the jump shot to do it like i just you know you just want him to just say when i come in i get buckets that's what i do i get buckets i'm not moving the basketball a ton you know i move it within the scope of the offense but my mindset is get buckets and then come on the other side and defend if he were that way and stopped trying to think about I'm a distributor too. No, you don't be a distributor too. You 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 move the ball, but when you get it, look to score first. And if that's not there, move the basketball. If he had that mindset, he would be so much more effective for this team. But David, we know that's probably not possible just because oh, of that not year no. with, with yeah with Rondo. I was just going to highlight how comfortable he felt. How he actually had the easily the best clutch um, numbers of his career when Rondo was around, right? Even though Rondo wasn't finishing quarters, somehow being able to be so much off the ball and just kind of find his own flow within games is easily the best thing for him. And obviously, it goes counteracting to your point, but which which we already know. But yeah, it just wishes for horses. If he has to be counted on to be a go-to guy, then the team is in trouble. But fortunately, that's why I kind of like him staying with this team because we both all of us know Zion's going to want the ball we've seen the way B.I. tries to close out games and even Lonzo's got a little bit he's developing that kind of more aggressive mentality of trying to close out games so I don't think it'll ever fall back on Drew's shoulders ever again really as long as you know the team's kind of healthy all right let's go ahead and transition to age is going to be our our next topic obviously is 29 years of age should he opt for a four-year extension that would be five years that would take him until his 35th birthday which is june 12th of whatever it is 2025 and the reason i i know that a lot of people listening might opt for a a shorter deal there's no reason for drew to take a shorter deal this is likely going to be the the last large payday of his career it's going to take him like i said to 35 most point guards tend to break down in their early 30s uh, aside from chris paul obviously who is defying father time so it's it's in his best interest to take all this money and to take it now and if the pelicans don't want to pay him now then it's in jason glushan his agent's interest to get him the largest payday possible next summer and if you think that drew holiday is going to take a discount Look at what Jason was able to get Jalen Brown when nobody thought he was worth four years, 115 million. Obviously, he's played his way into that. Al Horford, four years, 110 million. Who would have thought he was going to make 100 million dollars? And Drew Holiday at the time in 2016 or 17, sorry, uh, making five years, 131 million dollars was maybe not necessarily well above his market value, but based on who had available funds that summer, the only other contending team that I remember offhand that could have gone after him was the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they they opted to pay Jeff Teague somewhere around like four years, $60 million. So they were not in the neighborhood of wanting to pay somebody that much money. And that signing came before Drew Holiday signed, which was the following morning, uh, July 2nd, with the Pelicans. So there wasn't that much of a market, and still Gushan was able to get his client that much money. So with that being said, let's just put aside – a shortened deal uh, because he's going to want that five years. And let's talk about his age. We'll start with Grubb since we keep going to him last. He's 29. He will be 35 if he signs a five-year extension. How do you feel about paying a 35-year-old Drew Holiday? I feel very badly about that. You know, that that's 
you know, the, that's giving balloon payments for things done in the past. And you can't afford to do that with this team, with what you expect from your primary three players. If, you, if Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are what they're supposed to be, by that time, they're making $100 million, you know, contract-wise. So you're talking about that's your core. You've, it, hopefully you've retained at least one other of these draft picks that you have with you right now. And then you're adding with all the other first rounders and things that they have in their pockets. If Drew Holiday's still on the roster at 35, the Pelicans have failed. Because if you're paying him that kind of money, you're keeping him around for what reason? Either he's defying father time and playing all-star level basketball or sixth man of the year basketball, or you, you just haven't developed enough players. All right, we'll go over to Kevin next. Uh, he is going to be in the top 30 among active uh, league leaders in minutes played. He's been um, one of the 15 most uh, minutes played guys in the past four years. Par- uh, pardon my verbiage. Uh, so by the time he gets to age 34, Kevin, he's probably going to crack 15, if not the top 10 active leaders in minutes played. Are you worried about him breaking down? I'm not really worried about him breaking down and because – you, I mean, look at the shape he's in. Look at the work he puts in every offseason. I mean, physically, he's he's pretty incredible, uh, you know, which is refreshing since you look back at the beginning of his career here when he was so, so injury-plagued with the fractures and then, you know, like the you, you know the, the things you can't prepare for, like the orbital fracture and, and stuff like that. But, you know, he missed a lot of games. Uh, and, and now he's sort of, like, there, available, and looks, you know, like I said, I mean, he's one of – Everybody says he's one of the strongest players in the league, and he's like, you know, only what six four. Uh, he has all that core strength. Uh, he looks ripped. He seems like he can. He has. Uh, he, he doesn't seem to get tired physically. He gets tired mentally, I think, but he doesn't seem to get tired physically. So I don't worry about him physically breaking down. But you look at other things like free throw percentage dropping. You look at three point shots. You look at these other guys developing around him. And I don't know his game offensively isn't going to grow. I don't think he's physically going to break down, but I think he's going to start losing some skill. I mean, we already see him struggle finishing around the rim. Um, the three point shots out there, the free throw percentages diving, all these things are sort of tanking. Um, and then you have all these other guys ascending and that's really the problem, I think. All right, Ollie, last but not least. Um, obviously, he's got friend of the program, Mike Guevara, working with him. He's got Aaron Nelson, formerly of the Phoenix Suns, uh, working in the Pelicans team facility. How optimistic are you that Drew Holiday can keep this level of play up for an- another half decade? I think I'm pretty optimistic for a lot of the reasons Kevin's already mentioned, because this guy trains like a fiend, and he takes care of his body also outside of the court and gym by eating right, by doing all the things right, sleeping. He really adheres to all the advice that he gets. And that's what Mike G has told us on countless number of times, right? That's why he he has that kind of stamina to where Kevin even notices, right? It doesn't seem like he ever really gets physically tired out there. And um, I think the biggest key, though, for me is the fact that he went through like a three-year spell of where he didn't play a lot of minutes. You know, LeBron's played double the amount of minutes that um, Drew has in his career. I'm just counting regular season, no playoff games. Or yeah, no playoff series or anything like that. So, you know, if Drew honestly has those kind of good genetics and he maintains his health like Michael Jordan did, like LeBron's doing now, like Kobe did before, you know, the last two years of his career, then, yeah, I don't have an issue worrying about, just like Kevin, about Drew Holiday trying to get through to the end of that contract. But Kevin brings up a good point, and and, and to touch on what I was talking about with the inconsistencies, is you wonder about – is this is this mental side going to be a bigger problem? Is this going to be a growing problem? As in, we haven't seen the worst of it yet. Is he like developing the yips as some athletes do across really a lot of sports, you know, golfers, tennis, you name it. Something happens to their late 30s and early 40s with a lot of these. But granted, Drew's only going to be 35. But again, maybe, you know, he can get past it. But there's a lot of question marks with almost any player. And for Drew, we've already basically hammered all of them. I I just don't know. I mean, I'm a big believer in him. I think that he's exactly what you need in the locker room. He's kind of like one of those core guys that you feel like you need in terms of building a championship caliber team. He may not show it on the court every night, 
Um, and he's going to have those lapses, but if he doesn't need to be counted on to be that guy, but you can count on him to play most of those games and be like a difference maker up to age 35, which I think he can be, then I, I think I would be fine with it. Preston, if I may, but what are you willing to pay him to do that yeah, in the hierarchy the question, of this David. team? You know, see, because $100 million? No. Because that means you're paying him $20 million a year. And with the needs that this team is going to have, Again, you you have just the mathematical as we talked about. There's no way all four of these rookies are going to pan out just mathematically, no. either by trade or by just they don't all make it. And with, then you talk about all these classes coming up, all these picks that the Pelicans have, and the needs that they're going to have. You're always going to need somebody to pair with Zion. You're going to need a stretch four. JJ Reddick's going to age out, so you're going to need somebody to fill those minutes as a sh- off the bench scorer. You're going to be looking for all these things. And Drew at $20 million does not fit that budget. It's one thing if he's playing, if you're paying him David West, Manu Ginobili money, where it's around $10, $11 million. But at 20 there's no way. All right, yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about that that monetary figure because if Brandon Ingram signs that for you, and, and let me preface this. I just had a podcast with Eric Pincus. If anybody wants the information on that, there's nobody who knows it better than he does. Uh, he created Basketball Insiders, writes for Bleach Report in addition. Uh, he also teaches at Sports Business Classroom uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, so just in terms of breaking down the numbers, his estimate for next summer's uh, salary cap was going to be $125 million. Now, based on what's happening in our country right now, we have no way of predicting what that salary is is going to be. It could it could go down. It could go up. He said there are arguments for both. Uh, so we, we don't know what that is going to look like. But just in terms of the number that we do have, $125 million. Uh, if if they do bring back Brandon Ingram four years, hundred thirty million, which was the extension Jason Tatum got last year, and then you give True Holiday, let's say twenty five million, that puts the Pelicans at fifty five million for them. Then you've got seventy million dollars uh, to break up between Zion Jackson Hayes. That's fifteen million between them. Now you've got fifty five million left, and you still have Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Derek Favors. Um, JJ Redick is going to come off the books next summer. So that's an additional, I don't know, 11 players that you have $55 million worth to work on. But um, I'm, I'm going to swing it back to Ali to start this one. Or let's start with Kevin because Kevin hasn't started one yet. In, in terms of the Pelicans being tight with money, I totally understand that argument. However, Kevin, the Pelicans aren't looking to sign free agents. Of course, they need to take care of these three guys, Lonzo Hart and, and Favors. But those guys will be locked up for the next four, five years or whatever it is. They'll they'll come off the books just when Zion does one year before Drew Holiday. And that's kind of your team. Are you comfortable with that being your team? Or do you want the Pelicans to keep some additional funds available to, let's say, you know, sign a, a mid-level free agent? I mean, you know, until I'm proven different, uh, so I'm proven wrong. I don't. I still don't think that New Orleans is going to be uh, like a free agent destination. I don't think you're. Gonna, I think you're going to get a few good players. You can possibly get a few good players here, but you're never going to get like a huge difference maker via free agency. Um, at least until you really start winning uh, with Zion. Um, you know, a couple of years in where he's a better defender and. Um, and you know you're making consistent playoff runs then possibly because i mean look at like portland can't get players there um oklahoma city had trouble getting free agents there um you know it's just what it is um so i i don't i don't think that you should bank on saving money for free agency necessarily i think you got to look at the trade market and you got to draft uh the right way and um that's like one of the reasons i think that you know, it's smart to if you can't get Drew Holiday to sign a contract extension that you think is it fits your team and the direction that your team is going on and the timeline your team is going in to then tr- trade him into other parts that will fill those voids that then you have those guys under contracts. Then you can overpay them or pay them, you know, better than other teams can to keep them uh, on your team because of the way uh, the cap the cap rules are stuff like that. Um, and that's the way you're going to have to build this team in this market, in this city. Um, and so I, you know, I don't think you just, you need to save money to spend on free agency necessarily, because I just don't think you're going to find a difference maker out there that's going to come here. 
Let me go to Grub next. Um, let's say that you add a team option on the fifth year of Drew's deal and you take care of him, like, I don't know, $110 million or, or whatever hypothetical number you want to throw out there. But if you give him that team option on the fifth year, then you've got Lonzo, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Zion Jackson Hayes all coming off the books in the exact same summer. So if you do need to pivot, try something else, you've got all that available space. Is that something that would um, appeal to you, or do you just think it's it's just too much money to to consider bringing Drew back at that number? I mean, yeah. If you, if you're losing all of that, you know what I'm saying. Like again, like if the trajectory of the Pelicans is was right, if things are going the way they should according to David Griffin's plan, the whole goal, I think, the way I read it from Griffin in the first place was that. You know, Drew is and JJ are kind of transitional players while these guys mature. So I, I'd be surprised a, if that's the long-term plan is to have him around like that. But again, I don't think there's a scenario that Griffin would want where he'd be in that position to have so many guys coming off at once because that means, you're, again, you're in a position where you may have to completely rebuild and revamp, and New Orleans is not ready for that again. It can't do that reset again. So you need to have some type of long-term consistency. And Drew Holiday, as much as people love him, he should be, you know, he should be receding into the background at that point in his NBA career. He should be a bench-type player at that age. He should not be a starter. And I just don't think they can give him that kind of golden parachute, not in today's NBA. And like Kevin said, not where you're not going to likely attract giant free agent players. It's going to be so much about retaining your young core and keeping them happy and finding those pieces where you can make the errors if you don't sign the right bench or role player where those types of contracts don't hurt you. But Drew Holiday's contract in his mid-30s is not going to be very attractive to a lot of teams to take on because if those things, if his shooting continues to get worse, if his three-point percentage is below 30%, if he's missing his free throws, if he's turning it over four times a game and you're paying him $20 million a year, it's going to be really hard to move him, and you're stuck with that. All right, Ali, I'm going to trust you not to go off the rails on this one, but I do think that Drew Holiday's uh, decision is not a, a it's not one of solidarity. It's not exclusive to just how much do you want to pay Drew. Uh, so much of it ties into how much you're prepared to pay guys like Lonzo Ball, guys like Josh Hart. How much are these, you know? supplemental players going to want because Lonzo Ball of course is a number two overall pick um of course he is likely uh <laughs> I hope he's not going to but he just fired his agents at CAA so who's the inevitable uh decision to go on maybe he ain't going to clutch he ain't not going to clutch no well way. regardless of him, where yeah. sorry go ahead I was just saying you see his and LeBron's relationship is very frosty so I just can't imagine Lonzo going with clutch Okay, well, that's for the best. But being a former number two overall pick, uh, in addition to like the fanfare that follows him anywhere he goes, uh, Eric Pink has called him like a four-year, $64 million player. However, just to associate his name with with that number seems like an undersell, seems like an underpay. So when you yeah, think I about <laughs> so when you think about paying Drew Holiday, Ali, how do you take into consideration what you think guys like Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball are gonna want? Well, David Griffin, fortunately, is in that position now to kind of, because he's always talking to agency around, and we see him in um, mingling with those type of people before the start of games, where, uh, you know, oftentimes this year I saw him meeting with Brandon Ingram's agent, like seemingly once every three weeks or so. Um, so you got to think that, that that's been always happening also with Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, you name it. I just think that you've got to always look at, I don't want to call it the worst case scenario, but basically you've got to look at the maximum, of course, that each guy can possibly command. And of course, when it comes to Lonzo, I think that he's probably going to want near or at the max, especially with the way he's been, you know, playing here over these last few months, but especially in the month of March before, you know, the play got interrupted. I think a lot of people would say that that $64 million for your deal, he would just laugh at, right? I, I think that Lonzo himself probably thought he was a, worth more before he actually went on this hot streak over the last couple of months and grew that confidence. So to answer your question, I, I think that Griffin is in tough line. I, I agree with what Grubb's been saying here that you've got to compute holidays dealing with the number you're going to offer him by first taking care of the core that you need to keep together. You know, obviously Zion's going to be part of that. Obviously Brandon Ingram earned 
that that place too on this team with how he's played all season. But I think Lonzo Ball has now really entered that territory for this team, especially with this budding relationship and the on-court chemistry he's got going with Zion. I mean, it's undeniable you've got to keep him around. And Josh Hart, you know, he's one of those role players that every good team kind of needs. And if he's going to be your junkyard dog that Griffin recently talked about on a podcast, then you're also going to have to pony up and pay him. And I could see his extension being anywhere from, you know, maybe say him commanding like $12 million or so a year as well. So at the end of the day, that's not going to leave max money for Drew, I don't think. So Drew's going to have to come down off of that. And we know, and I don't want to go too much in your article, but you kind of touched on how his representation, Jason Glushan, has not worked like that in the past. We've seen the deals Al Horford has asked for and pretty much gotten. And so if Jason Glushan, Drew's agent, plays hardball like that, that's going to put Griffin and the, and the Pelicans in a tough bind because I can't see it either. I'm with Grubb on that. Even though I, I think Drew fits with this team, even for the five years, I would be willing to take that risk. But it's got to come at the right price. It really does. Kevin, this could be an unprecedented summer for the Pelicans in that they might need to negotiate with four of their five starters and five of their six best players, if you don't include J.J. Redick in that, or five of their best seven players. Because uh, something I, I touch upon in the article tomorrow is I think it's critical that the Pelicans not only negotiate with Derek Favors, um, Drew Holiday, and Brandon Ingram this summer, but they have to try to work on that early extension with Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball. Because uh, depending on what your viewpoint is of those two players, uh, we're all assuming that they're going to continue to improve. And just due to their relative young ages, if they are improving and they are 23 years of age, like Ali said, that's approaching max level territory. So you want to lock them down now. We saw Lonzo Ball struggle in the first part of the year. Uh, Josh Hart over the last three weeks of the regular season was mired in inconsistency after having that like supernova um, month of January. So there, there is room to have those conversations and to get uh, south of those you know, um, expansive numbers. How important is it to you, Kevin, that the Pelicans negotiate with all five of these players this summer? Oh, yeah, I think it's critical. Like, um, just like everybody said, you want to sort of have your future planned out because you can't have all these question marks in the air, especially in this market. Um, so sort of understanding what it's going to take to get uh, Hart and Ball to sign, because I definitely believe that those guys are core pieces for the future. And obviously, Brandon Ingram, that's actually probably the easiest of the negotiations because that's just the max deal. Um, you give them that and you're done. Um, and then Drew Holiday, I think, is, uh, you know, I, I'm in, of the school of you offer him a two-year deal, two-year extension. If he doesn't take it, then you're going to start looking for trades. And uh, because for all the reasons we've already said, the only way I would go over two years is if it's, if it's very front-loaded and then declines in the final couple of years drastically to, to counteract the problems that we've talked about already. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's something that they have to they have to start working on. And um, I'm surprised you guys are so uh, well. I mean, I don't know. We haven't heard from Greb on this, but um, Ali is definitely down on the pinkest projection because in my head, I was thinking that Lonzo Ball is sort of should be around the um, the Karis LeVert contract, in my opinion. You know, it's about, you know, 17 million a year is what I would think. I don't think he's a max player. I think. I think he could eventually be that. Now I know that what your actual talent skill set sometimes doesn't dictate if you're a if you're a max player or not. It's just circumstance and what you can demand and what you can negotiate. Um, so he may end up being that, but I would peg him more around the 16, 17 million a year, and maybe give him a player option at the end. Uh, you know, on a shorter extension, so that if he does earn the max, then you have the he has the ability to opt out and then get that. Um, and then I agree with uh, the hard assessment about, you know, somewhere between 10 and 12 million a year should be right for him. A guy who can defend, shoot the three versatile defender, obviously um, rebounds, solves a lot of problems for you um, and can score. And I think he can have a bigger scoring role, especially if Drew is jettisoned. Grub, just based on how far apart Kevin and Ali are in their assessments of what Lonzo ball uh, could potentially earn how likely do you think it is that the Pelicans just can't find a middle ground with Lonzo this summer and end up 
letting him test uh, restricted free agency next summer when a lot of teams are going to have a lot of available space because everybody's saving up for that potential meeting with Giannis. Yeah, I think Lonzo himself, I'm him. I think he wants this to go as long as possible. I think Josh Hart is going to be a much easier negotiation because it seems that Josh is ready to, to, to have some consistency in his career and be in one place for a while and, and build himself up. I, I think Lonzo wants that too. I think, you know, like you said, his relationship with Zion, his relationship with Brandon Ingram are very strong. But at the same time, he's a businessman and he wants his financial leverage to be as much as it possibly can be. And I think he'll take the same route that Brandon took. I'm going to go and test restricted free agency and see if someone will offer me a max deal. And I may not take it, but I'll see if someone will offer it to me. But, you know, I, if, if I'm on the ball, that's what I would do. Because if he does take another leap, and let's say next year he's averaging 15, 9, and 7, or 15, 10, and 7 with a block and, a, and two steals a game, there would be a lot of people willing to throw a lot of money at him. So I don't think it's going to be a testing, but I think there'll be an understanding, and I think Griffin will give an understanding in order to curry that favor, like he, uh, the same way I believe he did with Ingram. We're going to give you the opportunity to see what's out there, but we want you here. And I think that's what he's going to tell Lonzo. And that's how the process will play out. I'm going to go back to Grub on this one. Um, I, I apologize. This is kind of turning into a Lonzo Ball podcast in addition to Drew Holiday, but this has just become so interesting. What is the highest uh, in terms of years and dollars you'd be willing to offer both Drew and Lonzo uh, this summer? And if you prefer to just trade Drew at, at this point, then you can totally reference that too. Well, my, my first option, I, I, I think I'm in, in line with Kevin on that, is that I, I probably look to trade him in the, the offseason for someone like a Karis LeVert. It, that, that package just looks so alluring every time uh, it's discussed. But if you are, if, if the option is, okay, we, we're, we're re-signing him, I'm not doing anything other than a 2 plus 1. And, and I, I said, this is the best we can do. We're going to give you a 2 plus 1. We're going to give you a very competitive contract. And then let's take it from there. Let's see if you're happy here, and let's see if we're happy. But I don't want either one of us put in a situation where Drew Holiday, let's say the Pelicans, are a good team, but they're not at the championship level. I'd say, Drew, we want you to be able to be flexible and make that decision in your life if you want to go compete with a contender. And also, let's we want you to be here, and let's reevaluate. So I think a two-plus-one is, is, is a fair deal there. I think with, um, you know, with, with, with Lonzo um, and him, you're going you're gonna to end up giving him the most years. That's what's going to happen. Let me let me follow up with Grub before I move on to Kevin. Uh, when all this offseason, you know, uh, obviously it's 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 all just uh, cheerleading, but calling him, you know, a potential MVP, he's got to have p- permission to dominate people. Calling this Drew Holiday's team, referencing that again and again. As a general manager, as the executive vice president, if you're David Griffin, how do you sell Drew Holiday on just offering him three years after you've anointed him as the team's leader? Are you asking me or Grub? Oh, Grub, sorry. Oh, I mean, you anointed him as a team leader, but they've also told him, like, this is, you know, this is the direction. You just be honest with people. And this is business. It's not the friend game. It's, it's, it's a game of basket, professional basketball, and you're trying to build a championship team. I can't – it would be irresponsible to the franchise on Griffin's part to try to make a long-term commitment to somebody – knowing that the back end of that is could hurt both of them because let's say drew does want to get out and his deal isn't able to be moved and they can't put him in a position to be a contender and he ended up he ends up being a dump to a team that isn't a contender is that the way you want the drew holiday era to end you know as him as an overpaid guy who's not a contributor i wouldn't want that and i think that you know the spurs took that approach with guys like Ginobili and with Duncan as they got to the, the latter stages of their career. And those are Hall of Famers. And they were able to say, guys, can you take a little bit less on shorter-term deals so we can continue to be flexible and build this team? And that's a team that was competing for championships regularly. So, I mean, I think as long as you're honest with Drew and you're not BSing him, I think he'd, you know, I think he'd understand the deal. All right, Kevin, what's the most you would offer Drew and Lonzo this summer? And if you prefer to trade Drew, you can reference that too. I mean, like I, I said earlier on Twitter the other day, like 
my heart wants to keep Drew here just because, you know, we like him. We love him. He's been part of this team. He's been through so much. But my head says to trade him. I mean, it just makes too much sense. And especially if that Brooklyn package is real, I feel like that's a very good deal. Um, also, you know, as Grub said, you know, you get a lot of parts there that, that help you um, solve a lot of problems. And, uh, and that's what I would do, honestly. Um, but uh, Lonzo, like I said, I think realistically what I think he's actually worth is the Karis LeVert contract. Um, but, I mean, I'll pay him the max to keep him if that's what I need to do because I, I do think he's a very good fit on this team. I just don't think – when I think of max player, I think of a guy that can carry a team on his own. And, and you know he, he can have some serviceable role players around him and he's going to be in the playoff mix that team's gonna be in the playoff mix every year and I just don't think that Lonzo is that kind of player he's a guy that relies too much on having an like other really good players around him so that's why I don't necessarily think that he's max player now I don't under, I understand that that doesn't really work in the business sense sometimes but that's just the reality of what it is to me in terms of what he is um he's a great player i think he can be an all-star uh, i don't know if he's a perennial all-star every year um so i, I don't necessarily want to give him a max contract but if we did and that's what it took to keep him i'm not going to be mad i definitely don't want to give drew another contract that's like his current contract i just don't see how that works for anybody i agree 100 percent with what grub was saying you know, I was in my head, I was thinking a two year extension, a two plus one is also fine. Um, you know, and let, the only way I'm interested in giving them a four year extension is, like I said, if it's very front loaded and the back end is is is, you know, around 10 million a year or something like that, which is not going to happen. Um, so I'm more inclined to trade them than ever. Um, it's not that I don't like them. It's just the direction of this team and the other parts around us. It, it just makes too much sense for everybody. And then, like, if you trade him to Brooklyn, he's going to play with two other star players in a situation where, you know, you can question what Kyrie brings chemistry-wise to that team. But if you're going to add a third star to a team like that, Drew is the kind of guy that would work in that situation. So I think it could be beneficial for for everybody involved um, and it would definitely help this team's depth in, you know, quality of play and improve interior defense and, you know, answer some questions long-term for this team. All right, Ollie, uh, you're pulling up the rear last but not least. Uh, what are you going to do with these two? It, it almost feels like at this point that David Griffin needs to almost put them in the same room together when he's talking to Lonzo and Drew. If you guys both want to be a part of this team, then somebody's going to need to meet us in the middle. Um, that that seems like it's going to have to necessitate the approach. Obviously, that would never take place. But, Ali, what would you, uh, in a perfect world, want to bring these two guys back at this summer? Uh, to, get, to interest Drew in extension, you're going to have to basically, of course, he's going to have to turn out his player option. That's, what is it, like around $27 million or something. So in order to entice him, you're going to have to offer basically almost those four, maybe five years, right? Otherwise, he, he's just going to turn it down. There's no way he's going to do it for any kind of shorter amount of time. I, I just don't see it, especially for the figure I'm thinking. I don't think I want to see him get paid any more than, say, around $20 million if the Pelicans were to entertain for another four or five years. Um, are we still on? Yeah. Okay. I thought I heard call conference off or something, recording stuff. All right. So, anyways, yeah, so Drew Holiday – you want to bring him back around $20 million. The reason why I don't mind it as much is because that contract would be tradable. If, if you do go ahead and go for those four or five years, I think that contract could be moved for where it would make sense for whoever the Pelicans, David Griffin, decides um, is going to be your trade partner. Because Drew, I think, is still going to have value around the league. And at $20 million, I think that, that you know, that's, that's not Chris Paul territory. That's not Russell Westbrook territory. We're in the 30 million range John Wall he's going to be you know right there in the thick of things as well so I think a lot of teams will consider bringing Andre even if he's got two three years left on his deal because that 20 million isn't all that cumbersome when you got to think that the salary cap's going to go back up by then as for Lonzo this is where I differentiate with you guys you know I think I will be comfortable paying him anywhere and I think he's going to command at least 20 million but I'm thinking it's going to be closer maybe towards 25 and I don't have to look far back in history. Jalen Brown last year after averaging 
what was it, 13, 14 points a game, really kind of having um, an up-and-down season for the Celtics the previous season. He was awarded four years and I think just over $100 million. Buddy Heald just got paid. He's strictly a shooter. Got paid, what, four years, $86 million. I think Lonzo Ball has shown glimpse of being a lot more special um, and to where he's going to basically point to that. And you've got to expect his growth. You know, he had grown so much just within this season that you've got to think that we've seen enough games to where it's not a mirage, right? So he's 22 years old. He's coming in his own. It was always a confidence issue with him. But the fact that he's able to been able to actually put in all the work but has a legitimate jumper now in the league within just less than a season's worth of work, that's incredible. There's a lot of things pointing to where this kid is really going to be special, and I'm pretty sure his representation, including Lonzo himself, are going to point to to where I think he's just going to command somewhere closer to a lot more dollar figures than everybody thinks. So, like I said, Jalen Brown got four years, $100 million. A couple of years ago, what, Gary Harris got like four years, almost $80 million. Lonzo's just better to me than guys like that easily. But I think that that's why I keep harping on Jalen Brown because I think he's got that two-way guy. So, I, I don't know. I see it. I think that he's going to command more money. And you want to pay him more than Drew anyways. He's going to be more of a vocal focal point of this core group going forward. Oh, I didn't say. I mean, I just want to be clear. I didn't say he wasn't going to pay because when President has me, I said he'd get the most years possible. Right. And I like I think Alonzo absolutely wants his money. I have no doubt about that. But I think the deal that Griffin is going to do, because like I said, he's not going to. There's no way Lonzo signs an extension this summer. I don't believe it'll happen. I think he wants to go and find unless out what it's that close to the max. I agree with you, David. Yeah, unless it's close to the max, I agree with you. All right, uh, great job, you guys. Uh, really uh, nice conversation. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that we were going to jump into the Lonzo Ball uh, extension pool, but yeah, those two do seem like they're inevitably going to be tied together. Um, and after listening to Grub, I 100% agree. I just. I don't foresee the Pelicans offering four years, a hundred million or more to Lonzo ball this summer. I think they're probably going to make him go out and earn that uh, specifically because they still do have restricted free agency uh, to their benefit. They can ask him, Hey, go out. If you can get 130 million, go out and get it and we'll match it. But until that point in time, we're, we're not willing to pay you that much. Uh, something that the magic did uh, in previous years with Tobias Harris and Aaron Gordon, um, and I can't, uh, Eric Gordon, uh, famously, uh, signed with the Phoenix Suns. I can't remember what it was like four years, 55 million, something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we'd love to hear you guys thoughts. Uh, feel free to comment below. If you'd like us to expand on this in, in a future podcast, we'd be happy to do that as well. Obviously we need content. Uh, let's get out of here first. Uh, Ali, let's, let's get out on a chipper note. Uh, what, what are you working on? You had an article today about Alvin Gentry appearing on the Pelicans podcast. What else are you working on? Yeah, those are just newsers. The first thing I want to put out is, and I was talking on David's radio show today, is I legitimately think that the NBA season is going to resume at some point. And I really think it's going to stem all out of one city like Las Vegas. And I see a lot of things pointing to where I think it's going to be doable. But I'm going to go kind of in depth about that in a couple of days' time. I hope to post it. I don't know why they would choose a big city with everything going on. I would think they would choose like a smaller college town or something where there's just a little more restricted access or or easier to restrict access, uh, easier to keep players, I don't know, in kind of a, a solitude type setting. Uh, Kevin, what you told us earlier, you're working on a bunch of stuff. Obviously, uh, Homage, I don't know how, Homage is uh, printing out some t-shirts for us right now at $26. Uh, do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. Um, yeah. So right now uh, they have the Brandon Ingram and Zion NBA Jam shirts available right now for $26. If you go to the uh, Bird Rights uh, handle, there's a link directly to it. If you use that link, then, you know, a, a portion of the proceeds go to us, which is, you know, nice. If you're going to buy it anyway, at least help us out a little bit. Um, and then uh, I kind of put a pause on it because, you know, the season is just paused. Um but eventually we're going to start working on some designs where we really come up with the ideas with them um, and they're going to work them out and that'll be a new line of stuff. Um, but we're kind of just waiting to see what the season is like, what what happens once basketball returns to normalcy, because I mean, also people just don't have money to spend right now. So it's not like we're trying to pump out a bunch of things that people can't, buy right now with the future is so uncertain for so many people so uh, that will come eventually um so just keep an eye out on that and we'll you know obviously announce it and promote as much as possible 
Um, but for now, if you're interested in the Ingram and Zion NBA Jam shirt, it's out there and uh, it'll help us out. So. All right, Grub, you've got your 14 radio shows, uh, including 1280 AM's Hard in the Paint and the Houston-based one that you're working on. Uh, what else do you want our listeners to know about? Um, I'm working on a couple things. Um, the Hard in the Paint store is almost done, so that'll be cool. Um, about, you know, Again, we're trying to wait and give people the opportunity to hopefully get closer back to being normal, but um, we're going to have some really interesting items uh, there. And then um, I'm also getting ready to try to put together a second podcast for myself where I get to talk about the things. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I talk about a broad scope of things. And there are things I just can't, you know, if you want to hear the sports, I have a sports platform. But I also felt like it would be interesting to see if I wanted to converse on some of the other issues um, that are really important to me um, in the world, both humorous and serious. Uh, so I, I, I'm working on that. And then I'm trying to write some things. Uh, one that I'm working on is is because Kevin and I have this discussion a lot. I want to talk about bringing the post back. And I'm not saying Kevin is against it, but I, I just want to talk about how Zion Williamson is going to influence a next generation of, of, of kids who may want to get closer to the basket and play uh, basketball around the rim uh, again. So that's something I want to put together in the very near future. Nice. I have this Drew Holiday article coming in the morning. I think it's like 3,300 words right now if you guys want to check that out. Um, that's all the time we have. Uh, and remember, you guys can do us a favor. We don't have a paywall up for this podcast like many other pods do. So all you have to do is just go on iTunes, just rate us, retweet this, uh, like this episode, help to spread it around. Um, that's it. If if you like us, you know, do that. Steal somebody else's phone. Do it on their phone, too. And uh, for now, <laughs> let's dance and let's go Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today